Maybe a reason why all the doors are closed. So you could open one that leads you to the perfect road. Like a lightning bolt, your heart will glow. And when it's time, you'll know. Uh, that's a song by Katy Perry called Firework. Uh, it's from the 2010 album, Teenage Dream. Um, thought those lyrics are very powerful. Um, Katy Perry is a, an awesome artist. And uh, a lot of people don't really listen to her music or might not know it that well. Or just know her from maybe like American Idol or that she's a pop star. Uh, might not know it, but a lot of her songs have really great lyrics um, and really powerful ones. And the songs are catchy and they're, you know, they're good. They're good songs. I mean, her, her 2010 album, uh, Teenage Dream, I was just looking, um, it has a ton of great songs. It has Teenage Dream, Last Friday Night, California Girls, Firework, uh, E.T., uh, The One That Got Away. Like, that's a hell of an album if you, if you know anything about, you know, those songs. But I wanted to open up those lyrics because, um, you know, they speak to me. They're good lyrics. They're powerful. Um, we've been doing a lot of just classic rock. We want to mix things up. Uh, Joe, what do you think about those lyrics? The lyrics are really cool. I mean, I I must confess I don't listen to much of her. I think she's a a, a gorgeous woman, but I, I don't listen to much of her. But the, these lyrics are pretty cool because they just it's weird. They just remind me. They re- remind me of an old Buddhist, uh, an old Buddhist saying. Right. And it is it, it goes like this. It says the snow falls every flake in its rightful place. Meaning everything that was supposed to happen is predetermined. So don't sweat it. What was supposed to happen, it, what ha- what's happened now is exactly what's supposed to happen. That snowflake landed in exactly the spot it was supposed to land in. And just like she's talking about, some doors are closed and you wonder why, but they're leading you in a direction that you're not even aware of. So just ride it out and go with destiny. Go with the flow and don't worry about it too much. Just go where the force is taking you. That's kind of what I get from it. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's like when one door, it's a, it's a classic cliche. It's not like, it's not, it's, these are groundbreaking, uh, you know, lyrics, but um, just the way the lyrics sound, the way she sings it and the way the song is, um, cause that song, it sticks, it, you know, it's very like special to me cause, cause Villanova and Jay Wright did like this, um, this kind of like dance choreographed dance thing to, to this song years ago. Um, and I thought it was very cool. It's, it's on YouTube. It's a Villanova firework dance thing, whatever you could search for. It's on there. Um, but Jay Wright's even dancing. Um, and he's kind of like a real serious guy and could get him to like, really like, you know, dance and sing to a Katy Perry song. So that, that stands out to me, but you know, I've always loved her music. Um, but I've always noticed a lot of the lyrics are like very powerful. If you isolate some of the lyrics in her songs, I don't know who's writing these, some of these lyrics. Um, they're very poignant. Um, so, and the end of that lyric is like a lightning bolt, your heart will glow. And when it's time, you'll know. Um, it's one of those things, like you just said, some things are happening. Some things are meant to happen for a reason. It's like predetermined, depending on what your philosophy is. Yep. We all might be on our own track. We Like, you know, there's albums and records and, and, you know, there's, there's different tracks and the needle has to go on that track for that track to play. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of things in life, everyone has their own, their own track. Um, and just pl- the song is playing to your life um, and things are meant to happen for a reason. Some things are not meant to happen um, and doors open and close. And, you know, when it's time, you'll know, uh, you'll know what the right move is, what the right decision is. And you're not always right, but you have the, you have the benefit of hindsight. So when you have, use that hindsight, you can make an even better decision in the future because all your prior experiences will help you in the future. Um, another another lyric from that song is we're not going to you know focus too much on lyrics, but we like to open up the episodes with this. Um, do you know that there's still a chance for you? Because there's a spark in you. So if you're ever you're ever about to give up, 
Um, you don't think there's a shot for you to do something with your life or make something happen or start a family, get a new job, go on a vacation, do things you, you love on your bucket list. Um, and things are things that get better. Um, there's still a chance for you because there's always a spark. There's always a spark in somebody. It's how do you light that spark? You know, it could be, a, you know, when a match is wet, you can't light the match. Maybe your spirit and maybe your whole personality and your whole aura is wet and you have to spark it somehow. You got to, you got to, you got to ignite yourself. Um, does any of that stuff speak to you, Joe? It does. It, 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 and again, sometimes words lead me to other words, but those words lead me to that, that old saying that it's always darkest just before dawn, just before the sun cracks through. So never think it's too late. You know, that's, that's what I get from it. Exactly. Pretty neat. Yep. Exactly. So, um, how are you doing today, Joe? Not bad, buddy. A little tired, a little, you know, a little, it's, it's Mars Wednesday though. We're getting there. And, uh, other than that, um, tired and, and it's, uh, it's the holiday. So everybody's on edge and it's a little cold. I actually like the cold, so I'm not going to complain about that, but a uh, little tired, little, uh, little pre-holiday stress, I guess, but I will make it. How about you, bro? I'm doing okay. Um, so I'm living in a place now where I don't, because for years I had been shoveling a driveway whenever it snowed. And that's one of the things I dreaded about the snow mm-hmm. in the winter was like, oh, I have to friggin' shovel and I got to do it. You know, I didn't have a uh, snowblower where I was living. Um, so I had to do it, you know, old school with a shovel. Um, it's a good workout, but it's like, you just want to enjoy yourself on the snowy days and have hot yes. chocolate and enjoy the day off that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I, my job was always the shovel, but now I'm living in a place where all that's taken care of pretty much. Uh, I just pretty much have to move my car. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's going to be cool not to really stress about shoveling snow. Um, but you know, how do you feel about the snow? Do you, do you look forward to the snow? I like the snow, but I've, I've resolved myself to the fact that here in South Jersey, we don't really get snow anymore. I'm going to explain something to you. Uh, I moved, um, out of a house in 2017, got my apartment. Uh, so I've been here for a little, little over five years now in the last three or four years of the house. So we're going back to like 2013. Um, I had been like you, I was always shoveling, shoveling. And I finally got to the point, I guess around 2012, 2013, I said to my neighbor, I said, I'm going to go out and buy a snowblower and I'll keep it in my garage. And I'll tell you what, when it snows, you can come over and use it and just do mine too. So we had a little agreement. He's like, cool. You know, no problem. Well, sure as hell, I bought the snowblower. And I mean, it, it was like maybe one snow a year and that was really worthy of, of bringing the machine out. Other than that, it was just like one or two inches, just ridiculous. And I want to tell you, I've been, I've been here. And I, I've been here for about five years and at, at my new place. Now I'm up in the air. I'm like, you know, I'm way up, you know, way up in the air and I don't have to worry about snow either. It's being taken care of, but there hasn't been a big snow and I don't know how long, at least five, six, seven years. And what I like to see, Sean, is every winter I like to see two big snows, just those two big snows that shut everything down. You know, you look out the window, you wonder how much is falling. And it's just, no, I don't need it to snow every week. I don't need it. But two big, significant snows, as opposed to we get six or seven insignificant slush slash snow slash rain inconveniences. And that really, to me, it really sucks. And that's one of the things I'm complaining about this area is that, it just in the last decade or so that I've noticed, we don't really get snow anymore, significant snow anymore. And I do love it though. You know, a couple times a winter. So 
Yeah, I think I think snow was cooler as as a kid. Like I have so many stories of like when it snowed and getting this day off, getting the snow days and building igloos with my friends, having snowball fights. Uh, we built some pretty massive igloos. Um, <laughs> you know, they stayed up for a while because it was so cold out. Uh, yeah. They're built solid. Um, when you were a kid, did you ever like build igloos? We we would build igloo. You know what we did mostly when it snowed is we would go out. <laughs> We would go. We would go out front and just start heaving snowballs at one another, just just for the sheer hell of it. Or we would grab our sleds and either get a run and start, and you know, get a run and start right now on a flat street. You know, get a run and start, and just go, or go six, eight blocks away where there was a little, you know, little bit of a hilly topography uh, over by the elementary schools where I used to live. <clears throat> Small hills, but when you're a kid. It's it's adequate for and you know all the kids in the neighborhood used to go over there and and you know sled so either snowball fights or sled or sometimes just stay in like you said drink some hot chocolate or something and watch some you know watch some 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 TV shows and you know have fun. Yeah, yeah. Snow days are always cool. And then um, as I got older, I I uh, learned how to ski. Went to the Poconos uh, one winter with my friend they had a house there. Uh, skied, learned how to ski. You know, you do the pizza thing, you know, do it like a pizza slice. But then I, then I decided to uh, learn how to snowboard. So that became like my new like obsession in the winter was like snowboarding. I used to go to this place called mountain Creek. Um, then I went to Lake Placid for a trip. Um, you know, I always felt snowboarding was tougher than skiing. Um, did you ever learn how to ski or snowboard? Snowboard? No skiing. I took a couple of cracks at it when we were in elementary school. Um, we went on a, you know, quote unquote field trip. And I think it was like fifth grade or whatever. Um, and it was a beginner's hill and you learn how to stop with a snow plow. And I think I can count a number of times I've gone skiing on one hand, but you know, it was okay. It was cool, but it was just never, I could just, it was never really my thing. It was just, you know, and it just fell by the wayside and um, I've gone ice skating more than I've gone skiing. Uh, and that ice skating has mostly been inside though. I'm a, I'm a little leery of outside. I just, I, 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 you know, that's a, that's a, that's, that just scares the daylights out of me. Every time I see kids out there skating on the ice, I don't care how cold it is. You know, all it takes is one soft spot and you, every once in a while you see it on the news and it's just, it just scares me. Um, but I digress. I never learned to properly ski. I can skate though. I can ice skate. Like if you take me to an ice skating rink inside, I can, I can get some skating done. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool things to appreciate, but appreciate about winter, um, mm-hmm. West coast. We're, you know, we're talking about the United States here, but the West coast, um, doesn't really have, you know, the, the warmer States like California and Nevada and Arizona. Um, they don't have, I actually think in some spots of uh, California, they're able to like do have some snowing in the winter. There's, there's places that does have, I don't know if it's artificial snow. Um, what I'm saying is one of the things about the East coast is the snow in the winter time. And cause we have all the seasons, you know, we get, we get the full seasons, you know, I love that. That's what um, I love. Yeah. And you know, it's, there are little annoyances with the snow, but you can't get certain places and you're physically like stuck in your own place and you can't go anywhere. Um, and you can't drive to work because as an adult, you have to get to work to make money. So if you can't get to work, um, you're not always going to get paid depending on the job. So it's like, yeah, I get the day off, but you know, I still want to get paid. Um, yeah. So there's all these stresses like the shoveling and you start thinking about the driving. But when you're a kid, you're not thinking about these things. You know, it's all magical that the snow is coming down from the sky. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So just, you know, that's, that's one of the things about being an adult though. When adult, you know, you have all these other responsibilities and all these things you got to worry about. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, winter's cool. It's not my favorite season, but I, I surely can appreciate it though. It's not my favorite. Uh, but I think, I think it's one of those things. Like if, if, you know, there's no, there's no light without darkness and there's no dark without light, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, we're able to appreciate when it's nice and warm out or with the crisp air in the fall, um, we're able to appreciate what it was like to like wear all those layers, you know, in the cold, but the, the stupid winter jackets, the, the gloves, everything you need, the hats. Um, and then when the summer, you're just chilling with your tank top and bathing suit on walking on a beach. It's like, Oh my God, this is the same state. Um, so sometimes life amazes me and the seasons and the environment and nature really mother nature is amazing. You know, that's why, I mean, that's why look, when I was a kid, it was all about the summertime, no school, baseball, swimming, Laying out in the sun, even if it's out front of your house, after swimming in the backyard pool, you come out and you lay on the sidewalk. It's nice and hot, and you lay there and you get some sun. There's all kinds of fun. Not a care in the world. Summer was the season when I was a kid, but there's just nothing like the fall. To, to me, the fall, it's just with everything going on, I no longer care for the summer anymore because I don't like the heat and humidity. It bothers me like it never bothered me. I love air conditioning. And then the fall comes in with the cool air and the beautiful change in colors and football stuff and everything and you know the holidays are around the corner so it's it's the fall is my season but i'm with you i like i like the 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 four seasons you know what i mean and what's nicer what to me is nicer than you get a day like we had today it's a nice winter day not too much wind it's cold but it's december bro it's cold yeah um and the sky is blue and the sun is just clear and beaming and you take a deep breath and it's just refreshing and what's nicer than going for a nice long walk on a winter day like today and then coming in and shaking off the cold and sinking into a nice warm chair you can't do that in florida you can't do it in california you know what i mean it's just it's a real it's just such a nice thing it, yeah winter's a little bit of a drag at times but boy we we'd really miss it if we didn't have it because of those little things you know exactly That's, yep um so i guess today we want to focus on a uh, actress uh michelle williams that's going to be our focus for today um for the acting portion of the show um so the reason i chose her is because every time i've seen her in something i've always been impressed and you know she's believable um her facial expressions her body language her tone of voice and i've seen her take on all sorts of different roles and she's not necessarily in like a ton of stuff to the point where you like really know her that well uh, a lot of people may know her because she has a daughter with heath ledger the late heath ledger who played joker uh the dark knight um a so, joker so a lot of people probably knew her you know just because she was like the dating heath ledger and has a daughter with him um but, you know, she first came onto the scene uh, in Dawson's Creek. I didn't really watch that show, but I remember my sister used to watch that show. Um, and it was a very popular show. Um, and I, I never knew if any of those actors would ever become anything after that show. Because a lot of these hit series, they don't really go on to do big things, especially move on to like the, the big screen, the silver screen, the movies. And she did just that. Um, and just looking at this, you know, I was, I was refreshing what she's been in um and came up with my top five um so my my number one is the movie i just saw it's called the fablemans it's about steven spielberg's life it's like a loosely based autobiography um and uh she plays uh his mother and um she just does such a damn good job and so believable and she's such a complicated character she's got a little bit uh 
she's artistic, but she's got a little touch of, I think, mental illness that you see during the movie. Um, and I was just very impressed. That's, that's what put her back on my radar, seeing her in the Fablemans recently. Because, you know, I think, she, you know, I don't know if she had more children or she, she got married again, but she really chooses her projects very carefully. Um, so the Fablemans will be my, my top one. Um, but then uh, two and three uh, would be Shutter Island. That was around 2009 with Leonardo DiCaprio. That movie was a psychological thriller. Um, I don't remember a ton because I've seen so many movies. I've seen hundreds of movies per year. Um, so I don't remember like the, you know, a ton of the plot of that. I just remember it was a very like confusing and intense type movie, but she did a really good, good in her role. Um, then she was in another movie with Ryan Gosling called Blue Valentine. Um, and she, it, you know, every role that she's in, she really, it's almost, I don't know if she's a method actress, but she really is so believable. It's like, this is like a real person I'm watching, not just an actress. Um, and she was really good in that. Um, I think she's been nominated for a couple of Academy Awards. What, you know, what put her on the, the, the scene with like her film career um, in terms of being in, in big movies in the movie theater uh, was Brokeback Mountain. But I never saw Brokeback Mountain. I still haven't seen it. Apparently, it was a very good movie, but it's obviously some sensitive subjects. Um, but she was in that. And I think she was nominated for like an Academy Award for that, but I, I've never seen that. Um, but that's on her resume though. Uh, then she was in Manchester in the Sea. Uh, she was in, you know, Manchester in the Sea, it's Ben Affleck's brother, Casey Affleck. It, you know, it was all hyped up and it was supposed to be a very well-made movie. I thought it was boring, but you know, a movie can be boring, but certain, if you like certain actors and certain actresses, um, that could make the movie for you. Just seeing, waiting for their scenes and watching them very closely and seeing how they play the character and what happens with the character. Um, she was in Manchester by the sea and I thought she did it. I don't remember it that clearly. Cause again, that was a couple of years ago. I saw it. Um, but you know, she was, uh, she did a good job and every time I've seen her, she does a hell of a job and she's not one of these like big name known actresses that everyone talks about, but, um, she's awesome. And, uh, she was in another movie called all the money in the world. Um, that's about, uh, John Paul Getty, the rich guy whose grandson was like, uh, kidnapped and they didn't know if it was a hoax and he didn't they weren't going to like pay for his ransom. And she plays his mother, the kid, the kid's kid's mother who was, who was kidnapped. And she's a, she's the daughter of like this billionaire guy. And she's always chosen her family over the money. And in this movie, she's very, she's like a very like strong willed mother. Um, and she was born in 1980. So she's only like 42 years old. And it seems like she's so, so mature for her age. She's taken on these roles. Cause you know, a lot of these roles were from years ago. Cause you know, uh, blue Valentine's from over a decade ago. So is shutter Island. Um, but you know, the roles that she plays, um, she's just very believable and she's a very memorable actress. I mean, I saw her interviewed on a late night show you know, years ago. Um, I remember she was just telling her story and stuff and I found her very like charming and innocent and very like, just not your typical Hollywood starlet, your actress that you see is very like diva. Like, um, she was very like human, like, and she was very like, but you could tell she was very artistic. There's just something about her. So you know, me and Joe were talking about Joe and I were talking about um, who to spotlight this week. Um, I wanted to choose an actress. Um, I wanted to choose a female, and uh, you know, she she popped out to me because I just saw the Fablemans, and you know, she's a very impressive actress, and um, I think she's gonna she's gonna continue to do a lot of big things with her career. I just saw a movie tonight called The Whale, which I'll talk about with Brendan Fraser, um, and there was a preview for a movie that she's in. And it seems like she, whoever's selecting her scripts, um, she's having her agent read it or she's reading it. There's a combination of both. 
um, she's very selective of what she chooses because I think she could she could adapt to most roles and do it very well. Um, so for my top five, I have the Fablemans at one. Uh, I guess I do Blue Valentine two, Shutter Island three, uh, All the Money in the World, and then you know I wanted to, I don't even know if I could do a top five because you know the stuff she hasn't been in a ton of stuff, but the stuff she's been in was so memorable. Um, but you know I was torn between the fifth one between. Uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea or Venom. Um, Venom, you know, it's an okay movie. It's a superhero movie. Um, it's like kind of like an anti-hero type thing. Uh, but she's in that too. And I guess she she does good in her role. But, you know, I don't really remember much about her role, except, you know, she did her thing and she was just a good actress. But Joe, do you remember her from anything? You know, um, I remember her face. From just about I mean, so many places that that's what, and that's why I think this is an excellent choice because I remember her face from so many places, but I never knew her name because she wasn't like your your you know your super super duper star, but she's been around forever. Um, I I saw her in a movie called was well, something about Marilyn Monroe, and oh, yeah, I thought, that, man, yeah. she's a good looking woman, you yeah, know. I have, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one. I like now that I'm reading her all the stuff she's been in. I want to go. I want to go watch all the movies she's been in, and I want to see that Marilyn Monroe movie. But uh-huh. continue. So you know, she saw and, that she was in that. And I now that you mentioned Shutter Island, which was oh man, that's that that's. There was a couple. There there's one scene in there that's it's it's that still still drives it still haunts me. But um, that's that was a psychological thriller, like you said. And uh, was she his wife in that movie? I don't. You know, I I DiCaprio. I, I think she was DiCaprio's wife in that movie. I think anyway. Um, nevertheless, she was in it, and that was a great movie. So th- there you go with that. Um, Something to, uh, there was another one because, uh, you know, Richard Nixon is a character in history that I, it was a oh, movie yeah. called Dick. I saw, actually, was, I saw that in the movies. Yeah, it was about Richard Nixon and it was, it was, a, a, you know, it was like a little take off on him. Spoof is what I'm looking for, right? Spoof, Watergate spoof on him and making him look, um, you know, whatever, um, like a cartoon or whatever. And she was in that. And I'm telling you, Someone told me the other day that they thought she was in that show, Home Improvement, like, you know, with Tim Allen, that original show. And I can't, um, I didn't even have time to go verify or this or that, but um, who knows? Maybe she had a spot in that, in that show that it was so long ago. Well, she was, she, she, in 1994, she was born in 1980. So in 1995 in Home Improvement, well, that's when Home Improvement started airing. I don't, she was in one episode, it says. Uh, but yeah, it looks like she started out, you know, right when she was around like uh, she was in Baywatch in 93. So right when she was about like 13 is really when her career, she started getting like roles and like uh, small roles in the show. So she was in Baywatch, Step by Step, another show I used to watch, mm-hmm. Home Improvement. Um, so I like your memory. I like the fact that, you know, you remember her from an episode of Home Improvement. That's interesting. Yeah. So. And someone told me that, 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 oh, yeah, I remember her. You know, the, and someone else that I was just talking to because I was just curious. But, uh, yeah, no, that – see, and this is what – this is what – look, we're all – you're going to have your superstars, like I said, that we're going to do. But in between there, superstar here, maybe eight weeks later, another superstar. In between these actors and actresses that you don't really think about, you know, and I told you one day I'm going to do Ed Harris. I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to do – I'm going to do actor Ed Harris. It, he's one of my favorite because he fits this mold. You know, he fits this – you look at it and say, damn, 
that lady or that guy's been around forever, had a, a, dozens of tremendous roles, and just never, never hit. Now I'm sure they still make very lucrative livings, but they never hit that that extra stardom. So those are the people we want you want to pay homage to, and I think that was precisely as a really good choice, Sean. Thanks, I appreciate it because um, you know she's just. Everything I've seen, like, I can't recall clearly. Like, you asked me, like, in Shutter Island, if she was his wife, DiCaprio's wife. And it's like, I saw that movie in, in the movie theater, like, yeah, literally, like literally when it came out. Yeah. Um, so, just it's one of those things we talk about in the podcast and recognizing these, like, these gems, these diamond in the rough actors and actresses. Um, yeah. But it's also the movies, too, that, you know, gets us thinking. Because you got me thinking, now I, wanna, now I wanna go watch Shutter Island now. You know what yeah. I mean? Now I wanna go watch Shutter Island. I wanna watch that Marilyn Monroe movie. Um, and I'll probably even appreciate her even more just because, because when some, it's all about how people make you feel and how they, you know, how they make you feel. So when I see her on screen, she makes me feel like, you know, I'm just believing what she's doing on screen. And it's like, I can't even recall exactly what she was doing in these, some of these movies that I'm naming, except obviously the Fablemans that's recent. That's on top of my mind. I just saw it recently in theaters, but she's, a, she's just a very uh, great actress who leaves a mark whenever you see her in a, a film. And she, again, you know, I respect about her. She, she's not, she could be in, she would probably be in like triple the amount of stuff that she's been in, but she's not, she's choosing her stuff very carefully. And you know, a good way to explain these type of actors and actresses is the kind of, is when you say to someone, oh, such and such, and they, they don't know the name. They say, who? And then you show them a picture. Oh, I know that. Yo, that that's, those are the people we're going after. And that's exactly, that's exactly. If I show you a picture of that Harris, oh yeah, that yeah, dude's been I, around I know, forever, dude. You I know, know what Harris originally, I know for a lot of stuff, but I know him originally from this movie called, when I was younger, I thought it was like, you know, there was like a topless woman or something. It was called like Milk Money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Did you yeah. see Milk Money? Is that what it's called? I think I remember seeing Milk Money. Yes. I remember seeing that. Okay. But it's been it's been so long ago. When I was when I was younger, I'm trying to think when this movie was made. Uh, Milk Money, Milk Money was made, it was made in 1994, so I was like eight years old. Um, and the premise is a group of young boys befriend a prostitute named V. Um, Ed Harris was in that Melanie Griffith, but I just remember that movie as a as a young as a youngin because there was like a really hot woman in that in the movie or something. Or it was one of those things where it's like. I don't know. I was just like in trail. I was like, what is this movie? Like, what the hell is Milk Money? And then I saw it and Ed <laughs> yeah. Harris was in it. So it's, you brought up Ed Harris. That's like the first, that's my first really. Um, when oh, I, well, I'm, I'll give you a rundown. I'll give you a whole, when, when it's time. I'm not sure he's going to be yeah, my we're, very we're gonna next get one, Harris. But he's coming. It. Yeah, but th- this, yeah. and this young lady here, I wasn't sure when you said, I wasn't, I ho, ho. and then I just, I dialed it in. And I, I saw the, I saw the picture. I said, oh yeah. I remember her from a lot of different things. My goodness, how do I not know her name? And um, yeah. I saw spots of that, um, the Marilyn Monroe thing, because Marilyn, it was something just about Marilyn. And um, when you see somebody playing her, it gets your attention. And uh, she, you know, she was a, an appropriate uh, fill-in, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of movies, um, I like I said this before, I have an AMC Stubbs A-list membership. It's only like 25 bucks a month. And I'm able to see three movies per week. So at least 12 movies a month. Um, and I go see everything. It's really like, you know, I, I joined around like late April, early May. Um, right after I saw the Batman, the new Batman movie, uh, Robert Pattinson. But, um, you know, I've, I've seen probably close to 100 movies this year. And I just two two in the past couple of days, I saw Avatar 2. It cost $2 billion to make. Um the theater was packed and it's going to make a lot of money, but they're going to have trouble breaking even because they spent $2 billion, $2 billion with a B, um, $2 billion to make this film. 
Um, it's a sequel to the first one. The first one did really well. It's one of the highest grossing movies of all time. But I, I saw it and I was like, eh, you know, it was three hours long. So it was a big time commitment. Um, but I was like, eh, you know, nothing, you know, nothing, nothing unique. Um, it kind of reminded me, I almost, sometimes I feel like some of these people, some of these script writers and some of these writers who are creating these movies are getting like information from like this big mixer from like this big information mixer in the same well, because a lot of the storylines and movies that come out around the same time have like similar type concepts and characters. Like, cause I just saw black Panther Wakanda forever. And that involved like water people, like a whole tribe of water people who are like, nobody knows about this whole tribe that lives right. under the sea. And then in avatar two, um, it's like the same thing. There's a whole other tribe that like, you know, lives in the water. I'm thinking to myself, you know, where did they, did the writers know each other? Were they bouncing ideas off each other? Like when they wrote Black Panther and Avatar 2, it like maybe it's purely coincidence, but it happens so many times where I'm like, is there like a, just a, a, um, a big resource for these script writers to go like a well where they go to for certain ideas? Cause it's like, man, but anyway, not to, not to ramble on about that, but Avatar 2 was, eh, it was okay. Nothing special to me. Um, I would, I would rank it between a six and a seven in terms of my enjoyment. Um, the reviews are great and the special effects and a lot of people are going to go see that movie on shrooms and get high and see it and think there's visuals and the 3d and everything's cool. And like, you know, I don't really love 3d movies. Um, it's kind of like hurts my eyes a little bit, you know? So I, but I saw it in 3d cause that's the way to see avatar. You see it in 3d cause it's, it was, you know, cost $2 billion and you know, you think the 3d is going to be phenomenal, but the 3d to me, wasn't anything, it wasn't anything better than, uh, I saw the, the most recent Dr. Strange movie with Benedict Cumberbatch. And I saw that in 3D. It was like the multiverse movie. And, you know, I thought the multiverse, that was better than this avatar um, in terms of special effects, um, the 3D 3D wise. But yeah, I mean, James Cameron's an awesome director and everything. And it's quite a spectacle avatar too, but, you know, eh, not really my cup of tea because I don't really like those big superhero movies. And I mean, I'll go see them and I'll see the superhero movies um, just to keep up with what's going on in the Marvel universe and DC comics and stuff. But, you know, I like I like the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. That's my cup of tea with uh with superhero movies. But Avatar two, you know, just a spectacle. Um, it's going to do extremely well in the box office. I don't even know if they're going to break even because again, it costs two billion dollars. Uh, but then I just saw a movie tonight that I've been waiting for for months called The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. What a movie! What a phenomenal movie! I've been hearing how I was getting all these standing ovations and people were really looking forward to it. Um, Brendan Fraser does an awesome job and he really does. I think he deserves possibly best actor he plays a guy who weighs like over 500 pounds and um he's living by himself in an apartment and uh he's got an estranged daughter who he wants to reconnect with and he's also a college professor and um you'll see if you see the movie it's very uh it's very intense in every scene you have to pay attention to what they're saying and fraser's acting's phenomenal i'm just we're going to focus on brendan fraser one episode because he's an actor who was a super he was on his way to being a superstar and then he kind of fell off uh, but he really, you know, and he's been, he, he's been a couple things recently and he's revived his career, but this movie, the whale um, was friggin' awesome. I loved it. I love those type of movies, kind of the dark, you know, serious type dra- dramatic um, type things and a character study where a guy really gets into the role. And I thought Frazier did a hell of a job and whatever they did with the prosthetics and making him look that big and how he moved around his apartment and, you know, all these things that happened through it while well, he's, you know, he's, He's stuffing his face with food and um, it really is, uh, you know, because people are fascinated with like huge fat people. There's a, there's a show on TLC called my 600 pound life. And I know a lot of people watch it and you know, this movie is a real life, like 600 pound life type movie. And you see the struggles this guy has and he's, 
he's humanized because that 600 pound life show that i think the people just watch because they're you know they want to see these people and how they do their daily lives and they also kind of want to laugh at them which is a horrible thing to do they're like oh, how do these people let themselves get this big but when you see the right. whale there's kind of a backstory and you understand why he got so fat so never really judge a book by its cover because he's a very intelligent professor in this but you're movie. talking about the morbidly obese though right because i don't want to offend yeah. anyone I think. Morbidly, so morbidly obese is okay morbidly obese god i got um, you so, but the whale, I really just to give you a perspective on, you know, my taste in movies, uh, Avatar 2, people are going to be like, oh, it's the most amazing thing ever. It's awesome. You got to see it. You know, and there's going to be a, such a large following for that movie. But then the movie like the whale probably won't do that great in the box office. It might do okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed the whale way better. Um, but, you know, that's where my head's at with movies and actresses right now. Um, but Joe, what's like the most recent movie that you watched? Jeez, I don't know. I can't even remember the last time I was out in a theater. I can't no, no, remember. Not in the theater, not in the theater, at home, anywhere. At home, I'm trying to remember the last one. I I can't even remember the last one I dialed up. Um, I can't remember the last one I dialed up. Did I tell you by chance? I can't, I can't even remember right now. Um, yeah, I can't remember right now. The last movie I even dialed I don't. I don't watch movies. Uh, I haven't in the last couple, three, four months very often. Um, so I feel like you, you rented a uh, licorice pizza. Thank you. I, I, that I did that. I did see Sean. I'm so tired. I am tired tonight. I apologize. I'm a little so tired tonight. It's hard to remember. I, I did. And you know, um, licorice pizza was pretty cool. The fella reminded me of your boy Hoffman. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, that that the kid reminded me a little bit of Hoffman. I think the guy, the, he's James Gandolfini's son. I'm pretty sure that actor. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Um, and you know, I've I've seen, and that I thought was okay. It was cool. It was a little. It was a little change. Yeah, it actually, was different. It's not, it's an actor, sorry, it's, it's oh wow, this is actually interesting. The actor, it's not James Gandolfini's son. It's it's an actor named Cooper Hoffman. Um. Oh wow, he's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. I had no clue. Oh, you, oh and you know what, Sean? Here's one that I remember awesome. recently. It's the one. Okay, what is he? He's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, dude. And Sean, I swear to you, right now, I had no. I, I, I he just reminded me of so much of of a young Hoffman. But I had no idea that this is coincidental. That was not. That's an awesome observation you made, dude. Because that I had no clue. I might not have known that for a while. Because. You know, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of my favorite actors of all time. We focused on him a couple yeah, episodes ago. That's why I said um, that. Um, and man, the fact, because, you know, the other guy's G- Gandolfini's son, you know, but I feel like Gandolfini's son and Cooper Hoffman have a similar type uh, vibe about them. But interesting. Yeah, because Cooper Hoffman, he did really good in that, that movie. He played a guy named Gary. And I thought, you know, he, he, he did a good job. Yeah, I thought the movie, that movie was cool. And, you know, I've seen a couple. I know I've rented a couple since then. Now, the one, I three or four of them, actually, in the last, like, six months. But the one that I do remember now that we're talking about it, because I told you about it, and I think we mentioned it before, it was a Mark, Mark Wal, Wal No, I, mean, I, I, saw, I saw that in theaters. And then Mark you rent, Wahlberg. You rented, rent it's called, yeah, it's Father Stu, but you rented Father it. Father Stu, talk yeah. about it in the podcast. You rented it, and you're like, I want, but I had already seen it in the movies. Right, right, right. And you and I had a conversation about yeah. that. I thought I had actually you're, told you're you orth- about it. Or you said you're in your orthopedic shoes because you stand correct. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So I did rent that one. And, you know, I'm trying to 
It's not, I don't want to put you on the spot. You know, it's one of those things. Oh, it's I'm, not a spot. I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say I can't I'm, remember no. the. You know, no. I don't rent them that often. I'm not embarrassed in the least. I don't know. So no, no, I'm not be. on the spot. Because I'm cool. No, I'm cool. I, I know you wouldn't. You're on the spot at all. Um, your observations are very astute and very. Right. Like, you know, uh, um, when you do watch it, you're very pay, you're paying attention. It's probably better that you don't watch as the volume of movies that I watch because I'm I've seen movies and oh, two weeks later I'll forget the friggin' plot or whatever the characters. Um, because oh, it's, yeah. it's just a movie to me. I'm just watching a movie and then I'm moving on to the next movie. But some no, movies what, stick with you. But um, right. with you, you're able to really consume these movies and for days after really, you know, digest the movie and think about it. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. And, and I, I, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to watch a million movies or be a movie critic or be a movie nut to to have opinions and to have favorites and so forth. And that's where I come in. You know, I just I, I like what I like. That's all. Yeah, no, I appreciate your perspective, and I'm I'm glad we had that. Uh, I call it an aha moment. The aha moment was me realizing that Philip Seymour Hoffman even had a son, and is he's an actor. So I had no no clue. So shout out to Cooper Hoffman. Um, you're, you're on your way to doing some special things if you continue. But uh, anyway, um, mm-hmm. so we said we're going to focus on different holidays, not just Christmas. Uh, today we're just going to do a short, short uh, little, you know, fun facts about Kwanzaa. Uh, so Kwanzaa is an annual celebration of African-American culture from December 26th to January 1st. It culminates in a feast called Karumu on the sixth day. Uh, it was actually created by an activist, Malana Karenga. Um, and he basically took traditions from West and South uh, East Africa. And I think the guy is actually, he's American. Yeah, he was, he's an American activist, author, and professor for Africana studies. Um, and he, you know, he was born in Maryland. Um, then he taught at UCLA and then he created his own holiday, um, which is pretty cool. And a guy just created his own holiday to, to do something different than Christmas. Uh, a lot of people make fun of it. They're like, oh, the hell's Kwanzaa, like as a joke. Uh, but it really means a lot to certain people, especially the African-American community. You know, those who, I guess, celebrate Kwanzaa, not, you know, most of them are probably celebrating uh, Christmas and, and Hanukkah and, and you know, Ramadan, such like that. But, you know, Kwanzaa um is his own thing um it's kind of like it's 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 a black church type thing an activist type thing um it's not necessarily anti-christmas because there's some things on wikipedia where they they said they believe jesus was psychotic and christianity was a white religion that black people should shun shun but that's getting too deep into it i just wanted to spotlight a a separate holiday that people kind of celebrate um and you know when i was younger in catholic school we learned about kwanzaa you know so even in catholic school they're teaching about other holidays and other traditions like i said we learned about all the jewish traditions and, and holidays we learned a little bit about kwanzaa too um and it was first celebrated in 1966 um joe do you know anything about kwanzaa when did you first hear about kwanzaa uh i think i first heard about kwanzaa sometime in the maybe i was uh in the early 80s that i can remember maybe a little bit before then but i don't know too much about it i, I Obviously, it's for our African-American brothers and sisters, and I'm cool with that. Everybody should have their own thing. Um, it happens around Christmas time. It's only I know that it was started by a college professor somewhere in California in the 60s. Um, so it's only decades old. And uh, they have, uh, much like the, the menorah, they have a, can, a set of candles they light. They light the, the red ones on one side of it for the blood of their people, and, and they on the other side is green, and it's more for the harvest, and the black one in the middle is for the color of their people and so forth. Um, and there are certain um, 
truths or certain virtues that go along with it. I don't know if there's seven or five. You'll have to forgive me. I think there are there's, there's seven principles and there's seven. seven okay. Seven. Yeah. There you go. Seven candles, seven principles. The principles are all, it's all good stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's uh, community involvement. It's uh, self-improvement and so forth and so on. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. It's not necessarily, I don't think it's a religious. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's not more, a religious. It's more cultural, cultural yeah. and ethnic. Um, yeah. It's about unity, uh, bringing African culture together. Um, you know, it's like their own celebration because, you know, black people have gone through hell, hell. Um, yeah. For them to have their own holiday, it's like, why not have their own holiday if they want to, you know? Yeah, and it's seven days long, as is like, you know, I think um, we, we touched on Hanukkah several days long. This is several days long, uh, and it's uh, unlike Hanukkah, it's not commemorating any event in history or anything like that, but it's it's something they want to do. And, and, you know, they were oppressed and beat down so long that they deserved every opportunity to, you know, to feel good and to and to inspire each other to. You know, I mean, that, that's, I, I don't want to, we talk about movies and everything like that. And we, we know the history and every once in a while you watch a movie about it. Um, and I think the last movie I watched about it that, you know, was 12 years a slave and it got to me, man. It got to me because it, you know, it, empathy, put yourself in their shoes, you know, you put yourself in their shoes. What would it have, what was life like? to be to be a to be a slave and to work from sun up to sundown working your fingers to the bone yep. right from sun up to sundown every day and if yeah. you didn't you get whipped i wouldn't want to be alive bro i wouldn't want to be i don't think it's i'd want to be a lot of be... Uh, persistence and character to get through you know hell like oh. that um and when yeah, are a couple we'll generations we'll removed about, yeah yeah we'll i digress about, but go ahead uh, yeah you know um, African-Americans and black people in the future, because I took a very cool course at Villanova that really enlightened me called Black Politics with a professor named Frank Pryor. And mm-hmm. I learned all about these struggles that I had no idea. Um, and I was like, man, some of these laws that are written against them where they couldn't have their own housing and they were getting, you know. Oh, and the Jim Crow South. and oh. So one thing I like about Kwanzaa, there's six uh, principles called Kumba. It's it means creativity, and it says to do always as much as we can in the way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. And I love that one because you, you always want to you know leave something more beautiful and you know beneficial than you inherited, or something better than it was. You know you want to improve whatever you're doing, and that's a great um, principle, I think. I agree. Um, so we talked a little bit about this, Joe. Um, we might start uh, taking one Snapple fact per episode just focusing on the snapple fact and just kind of talking about yeah. it for a little bit and today i chose uh snapple fact bamboo makes up 99 percent of a panda's diet uh wow. and you know i saw that one because i was i was clicking they had, now you can go you don't have to actually get the physical uh snapple fact um uh, caps you could actually go on their website and do all go through all the snapple facts and has the number and you can do randomized and oh, okay. it's kind of cool just going through the different ones but um, it got me thinking about pandas and why they only eat like um, bamboo, how they survive, because um, they're they're supposed to be kind of like uh, carnivores, 
they're built like carnivores from the inside. Um, but they, they trick their bodies into thinking that they are carnivores. They, oh, they trick their bodies into thinking they are carnivores, but they're not necessarily carnivores, but they survive on 99% bamboo. Yeah, they're herbivores. Uh, they're able, if they, they're able yeah. to digest it and use it as energy and metabolize it. Um, and I think one of the reasons is because it's, 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 it's a lot of, it's all around them. It's easy to find. They don't have to fight other predators for that. Uh, right. And they can get their food and, and survive. Um, Cause it says the ancestors of, of pandas were omnivorous. They both, they ate both animals and plants. Um, but now they're eating basically all bamboo. So, you know, it's just a Snapple fact is me and you talked about this. You could take a simple Snapple fact and then look it up and do some research. And then next thing you know, you're learning something new. Yes. Yes. Um, have you ever, have you ever, uh, seen a panda? Seen them and, um, they're, they're slow moving. They're adorable as hell. Um, they're the black and white ones, right? That's why I get it right. Um, and they're one of the few bears I'm not afraid of. Bears are, bears can be, you know, um, I've seen them. Speaking of movies, there's a movie coming out called cocaine bear. It's about a, it's a true story based on a, a huge like bear that like an ingested cocaine and goes on like a killing spray. But anyway, continue, Joe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I, I, and my only other question to that is, what's the other one percent? I don't know what the, but the, but we'll have to find that out as time goes on. Maybe um, maybe they're eating bugs and stuff. You know, I don't know because yeah, maybe- it's probably not an earth. Whatever it is, it's not earth shattering to like you know we don't we this is, we can live with the suspense till we find out. <laughs> but that's that's just a good question. But um. Talk about uh, talk about roughage, man. You got it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, other than that, no, it's it's neat. I I like those Snapple facts. I really and sometimes sometimes they they can really you can really look at it and say really. Now this one doesn't surprise me all that much, but some of them you can say what, you know. But they're cool. Um, Good choice. Thanks. You could uh, for next episode you could choose the Snapple fact. Uh, well, thank sure. you, sir. All right. So you got you got the actor. It's my, it's my turn. You got yeah. the actor. You got the lyrics, and you got the Snapple fact. Now got the got the actor. Got the lyrics, and I'll do the, We'll make them all together in the Snapple fact. That's that's cool. That's cool. Um, so we like to do like current events every episode. We like to focus on maybe like one news story, and something that stuck out to me because I read the New York Times, as I've stated before. I think it's probably the best paper in the world. Politics aside, um, the the level of writing in the New York Times is uh is very good. And it's like you you feel smarter just for reading it, you know. So if you ever want to feel smarter, read some read some New York Times articles. They're not these like they're not like the New York Post, and they're not like the Daily News, and they're not like news. You know, they're like they're not like these short, easy to consume articles. You really have to like read and like think about what they're writing. Um, that's why one of the reasons I love they have the most talented writers probably. Um, but anyway, I read an article called "From Zero COVID to No Plan Behind China's Pandemic U-Turn." Um, so. Basically, the article is uh, about how China's COVID strategy, they had been micromanaging COVID for years, uh, for like three years since it started. Um, their, their leader, the communist, they're a communist country, but their leader is uh, Xi Jinping. Um, he's suddenly leaving it up to the population on how to handle COVID. Because what happened was there started to be protests. Um, they bro- they're breaking out in towns and villages, and they usually involve workers and farmers and migrants who couldn't find work. And they're stuck there and college students who were stuck in their schools. Um, and there was like job loss, there was land disputes, pollution um, and all these issues. And a lot of reporters aren't able to report on it because China has all these lockdown rules. So the journalists can't get into China and tell you what's going on. 
Cause it's, it's like these people have been living in like hell for the last three years. Um, you know, basically uh, protests started. What happened was a friend of mine told me that there was a fire in China and it took them over like three or four hours to put out the fire and people died. But one of the reasons they died is because they were like, China was, uh, they were like locking people in their homes. Uh, they had pandemic restrictions where they're like, they wired doors shut. Think about this. They're wild wired doors shut. Uh, they welded them shut. Um, they had emergency exits blockaded. Um, and it, it fueled a collective suspicion and anger about the deaths of people, especially when they couldn't get out of their building when there was like an emergency. Um, and finally, like China from having these, these, these COVID restrictions for years. Um, now they did a complete 180, a complete U-turn and they're leaving it up to everyone else to decide what to do. They're opening their country. Um, they saw things, obviously the protest and they don't like, it's a communist country. They don't like people rising up and protesting and taking back power. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it was, it's, a. Uh, it's one of those things where I would see news articles about what was going on in China. And obviously there's a lot of anger towards China. Cause you, a lot of people think that it originated COVID originated there. Uh, with like the, the wet market with all that, that they they eat all these raw animals, bats and stuff. And the Wuhan lab and everyone was already mad at China. You know, I, I didn't condemn the whole country. I wasn't part of that. Cause I saw what was going on. I saw there was like random Asian people being attacked in New York city and stuff. Cause people thought, Oh, you're, you're, you're Asian. Therefore you're responsible for COVID where we all know just because you're a certain, um, certain, if you're Asian or, or black or white, it doesn't make you, you know, the same as everyone else. Who's, who's that, you know, uh, race. So it was just upsetting and I never blamed China, but I was always like, man, like, you know, why did China, why couldn't they prevent this? And now we're dealing with this thing is I thought at times I would get sick and die. I didn't know what was going on. Cause COVID is very scary. Everyone's walking around wearing masks. It's like living in like, you know, the apocalypse almost. Um, but anyway, um, I don't know. I just always saw articles in China, how the lockdown was crazy. Even after we started opening up again, after the vaccine was out there, after there was a herd immunity, um, people started getting back to their normal lives. And, you know, the vaccines led to uh, the strains being less and less effective where they can kill you. Well, you have the vaccine, you'll survive. And, you know, China was still living with these crazy lockdown conditions and trying to control. It's part of their agenda too, to probably to control everything. Because, you know, again, they're a communist country. But I'm very happy that it took some protests and sadly it took some deaths for them to wake up and, you know, have some new policies and do a whole, you know, U-turn and let, you know, let everyone handle let the population handle the COVID, let them go out and live their lives and just... Let people, you know, make them get vaccinated or whatever they do there, recommend get vaccinated. Um, you can't make anybody do anything, obviously, but, you know, promote the, the vaccine and have herd immunity and get everybody back to their normal lives. But, um, yeah, just article stuck out to me. I thought it was interesting. And I, I know, Joe, you have some opinions on it. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, we all we've all seen the footage of the these these guys walking around in China with their total you know, the hazmat suits on, the full white suits, where you can't even see who it is, and they're walking. I saw that. I, I've seen a couple of them that were just that made my skin crawl. We can't imagine something like that happening here. These guys will knock at your door, knock it down if you don't answer it. Come in, physically grab you, and I saw a guy kicking and screaming. He didn't want they're just dragging him down the hallway. You know, I saw the dude that to another to a to a lady that walked in and they just they did the same same damn thing to her and she's pleading with them and now they're grabbing her and just by the hair or whatever by the shirt or whatever it was just just brute force now that was when you know that was footage from when you know this thing was in in full in full swing um 
I thought I saw something similar recently because recently they had somewhat of a uh it wasn't as bad as the first first go around but you know i just wonder i just i just have a real disdain for um forms of government like that and um i hope i hope to god well i won't be here but i hope to god in 50 75 100 years this isn't that way here um i'm not going to get too deep into anything but uh, one would never have thought that was even, uh, you know, conscionable until recently. Um, and I still hope and to pray in God, to God that, uh, that we maintain our democracy here. Um, but as Ben Franklin said, you know, it should be a great democracy if you can keep it. Absolutely. So, and so. One, one cool thing I saw in the article, um, some of the protesters in China, the people rebelling against these crazy COVID restrictions, uh, they're screaming, give me liberty or give me death. The famous American revolutionary uh, revolution war uh, battle cry. But they're you know, saying it in Chinese, the Chinese version of it. And I'm like, man, that's, you know, this could be a whole, you know, China can, you know, they're, they're a communist country, but maybe they can, maybe some of these protests and some of these, they realize how they handle COVID. Maybe, maybe they could turn more into a democratic society. Who knows? You know, it'd be interesting. That, to see. Yeah. That would be cool. I mean, I, I think it was 25 years ago or whatever it was, with maybe even longer, Tiananmen Square, with that one joker standing in front of the tank. And I say joker, I'd be, I mean, just, I'd be just being cute. I mean, he's a good, with, you know, a very gutsy young man standing in front of a tank, you know, in Tiananmen Square. Um, you know, I would, I would hope that if any government changes, it's theirs, it's not ours. But I just hate that form of government. I hate I really, the only thing I hate is hate, Sean. And that form of government hates people. And what do I mean by that? They won't, they don't believe in human rights like we have here. So every day we wake, wake up here and we think we're going to have a, a shitty day or a bad, a headache or this or that. And we're complaining. Man, I'm going to tell you something. This isn't, this isn't perfect. This United States, this isn't perfect. Our form of government, but I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on the face of the earth when you really think about it. So. Um, but I just hope we can maintain our yeah, democracy. We are very lucky to live in this country. You better believe it. You better um, believe it. So moving on to sports, um, I want to lead off. With my it's, This is a different type of bad gambling beat. My bad gambling beat was the fact that I was at work on Saturday and the Vikings were losing to the Colts 33-0. <laughs> and someone texted me saying, bet Vikings money line. I'm like, I checked. I'm like, 33-0? Why am I betting the money line? It's just throwing money away, basically. And I didn't make the bet. It was like crazy odds. I could have bet like 20 bucks and won a thousand. Um, I didn't make the bet. And then as I'm working, I keep seeing the Vikings keep scoring. And then people are texting me, especially the person who, who told me to bet on the game. Um, and <laughs> they're like, the Vikings are about to, you know, they're about to score. They let it score. They tied it up. Then they hit they the two point conversion. Then it gets to overtime. Then I get another text saying Vikings win. And it's like one of those things. It's like the, the bets that you don't make that, you know, you would have won big money. Those are the bad beats too. So the bets that yeah. you actually didn't make, that's a bad beat because you know, I because I know that that money that I would have won from that bet, that would have bankrolled me for you know for at least a couple months for sure. Um, and you know, anyway, I didn't make that bet. But what I think that was the largest comeback in NFL history. Uh, were you watching that game? You know, I, I, it, here's the thing: I turned it off. I turned it off, and I went about my business doing this and that, and I turned it back on. With about, you know, five minutes left, and I sat there going, nah, nah, 
no way. And I just sit there. So I didn't miss all of it. I missed, you know, I missed everything. The last, I caught the last five minutes is when, you know, when it came to fruition and it was like, I don't believe this, you know, and I, I got, I got people out in Indianapolis and, you know, my nephew, one nephew is a, is a, is a sports fan. The other two are oblivious to, you know, whatever. Uh, but the one nephew is, is a sports fan out there. And I mean, he, he's, he's got his, He's got his feet firmly planted in reality this year with that team anyway, but so it's, it wasn't that big a deal. As a matter of fact, I didn't even text them that day. I was thinking of them. I just thought, my God, what are the Colts fans? What are they thinking? You know, yeah, uh, a couple episodes ago, I was very high on Jeff Saturday because uh, mm-hmm. they had just beat the Raiders, um, <laughs> and it was like a big win. I saw his locker room talk, and we're talking, and we're like, you know, but you're like, you're like, yeah, but Sean, they they beat the they beat the Raiders, right? And I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah but you know, it was a big win. And then it proceeded the next the next couple of games. They lost to the Eagles only by one point. The Eagles put oh, come on. The Eagles won that game. That was kind of like a miracle that they won that game. Um, they came back from that game. That should have been. But then they they lost to the Steelers. Then they lost to the Cowboys, fifty four to nineteen. Then they just lost to the Vikings. So Saturday, Jeff Saturday, the interim head coach of the Colts, hasn't won a game since that you know that big win versus the Raiders and the locker room speech. Uh, so I'm not saying we jinxed the Colts and Jeff Saturday, but what the hell is going on, man? Well, it's not, and and just to as far as it being a miracle that the Eagles beat the Colts, I have a problem with that. I mean, the miracle was that the Colts no, were sta- staying it, with them. No, the miracle was that the Colts were staying with the Eagles. But the Colts for that had a control of the game, and they should have won. That, it, well, right? that was the miracle. The, the yeah. Colts had an apparent control of the game. That was the miracle that they were even in the game with a football team that's markedly better than they are. Um, and I'm not just saying as an Eagles fan, if you want to say anything was really weird. So I wouldn't say, I mean, if, 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 if they were playing maybe the Houston Texans and the Texans came back and went, okay, then it was a miracle with the Eagles going in there and the Eagles should have, I mean, they're probably, I forget what the line was, but, um, no, that wasn't a miracle. That was like, okay, the Eagles woke up. The miracle was that the, the, the Colts were in the game with the Eagles in the fourth quarter. Uh, but no, I, listen, here's the thing. He was a great center, a great center. He snapped the ball to a Hall of Famer. Um, He knows his football. He's a good TV personality. He's friendly with that owner. That owner one week could be smoking crack and the next week he could be, you know, you know, I really, I'm, I'm, I say that in jest, but go look at his history. The owner is really, let's say he's a volatile dude. And I don't know what's going through that owner's head right now, but I, I think He's not sure what the hell he wants to do. So in the interim, here's a guy he respects and let me give him a shot. That's all. That's all I think that was. And, yeah. but you, you it know, was one of those things too, I felt bad because he was so after that game with the Raiders, Jim Mercer, the Colts owner, he yeah. was like, so, uh, well, he was probably half drunk, but go ahead. <laughs> he was so appreciative of Jeff Saturday. He's like, yeah, this is my guy. And this is why I hired him. And, you know, I'd love to hear, I haven't looked up recent quotes from him, but I wonder if his tune has changed. He's, he's kind of yeah. like, oh man, we got to get a new coach next year. Well, you know what? I, I, and you know what, Sean? I'm just going to let it fly. Um, Ursay's father. Ursay's father was the guy that owned the Baltimore Colts. Those fans were some of the best fans in, in the history of the National Football League. It's legendary the way the Baltimore Colts, the Baltimore fans love their Colts. Okay. And the, the, he was trying to get muscle the city into building him a new stadium. And they got into an argument. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take my team and roll. And not only did he do that, but he left in the middle of the night and he left little kids crying and lifelong fans in misery and crying because that drunk and he was, he was, he was nothing but a fricking drunk 
He was. Go look it up. Okay. okay. And so the alcoholic dickhead that he was, excuse my French, he was so bitter that that's what he did. He took his team and he left. Okay. That's his old man. So that's his dad. Now, I'm not going to hold the son responsible for what dad did, but some of the stuff the son's done that I've seen and heard and, and the type of character he seems to be. And I tell my nephew this all the time. I don't care for them too much at all. Now, guys like Peyton Manning, guys like Tony Dungy, okay, guys like Jeff Saturday, okay, all these guys, the, all those, those, those guys, Marvin Harrison, you name it, all the way down the line, those guys are class acts, um, you know, really. Um, class act coaches, class act players that our organization has had. I'm not taking a, a damn thing away from them. And you know me, I, I don't, I don't think anyone's perfect and so forth and so on, but there's just something about this guy or say that bugs me. And that his, his, what really bugged me is what his old man, cause we're a football fan. If, if somebody did that to, with, with this football team here with the Eagles, I mean, there are people with tattoos of 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 the the, the eagle's name and the logo that that have been there for years. I mean, this is a part of our fabric. If somebody did that to us, I don't know if he'd be around that much. I mean, I just and to know that little kids were crying, all right, and lifelong fans were how that felt, all because this alcoholic prick didn't get exactly what he wanted when he wanted so he did it for spite and not only did he do it for spite sean he left it literally left at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning he rolled that team out of there now i'm not going to hold indianapolis to blame or the, the class act of, of coaches and players they've had but the owners i'm sorry to do this but you brought it up but that that's that's how i that's how i feel about it now to get back to jeff saturday coach of football great guy jeff saturday great player great man great tv personality but i i think he i think he was put in a bad spot and i i said to you i said look you've got to earn your way through there you you know it takes a lot you got to know a lot to be a really good head coach you don't need to know a lot to be a head coach you need a lot to know. You need to know a lot to be a good, effective head coach. You could put anyone in there. Shit, we had Rich Coat tight in there for for a while for us. You know, we we've had some bed bugs in there. You know, as head coach, you're in Dallas. You've had some bed bugs in there as head coach. But um, anybody could be a head coach. You just say, okay, here you're head coach. But to be an effective, really good, effective leader and a good head coach, you've got to pay your dues in that field, in that in coaching. Yeah. So did you see uh, that the recent video of Willie McGinnis uh, attacking somebody in a club or a bar or a restaurant? Did you see I that? didn't. I was watching Sports oh. Center and I saw a little footnote. You know, footnotes run across the bottom. I know he got in trouble. I don't know what he was, it was he for. He was a hell of a player and uh, he's a great analyst on the NFL Network. But I saw this video. I don't know. There could be other details of what the guy said to him, how he provoked McGinnis. I don't know what he did. But that reaction and knowing that you're in the spotlight, knowing you're always watched um, to really just maul a man. Um, to like hit him over the head with an object and kick him while he's down and punch him really hard and you know, wow. um, it was very it was very violent and I was shocked because I Willie McGinnis on TV presents as such a nice guy and he probably is but he probably saw red and something the guy did pissed him off but anybody out there who's anybody in general who shouldn't be attacking people at all you shouldn't be resorting to violence but uh, especially if you're in the spotlight please you know always think about what you're about to do because that is not good for his career it was probably pretty much over I think as a, as a guy in NFL network. So. Yeah. And uh, let me just, I just want to say something real quick too. And that, because I don't want people, because sometimes I, I, and I, I speak here a lot about, about, you know, um, 
do unto others and this kind of thing. And I mean all that stuff. And you know what? With everything that I just said, and I was just spitting nails about Ursay, and I do feel a certain way about his what his father did. And I feel a certain way about this guy. But you know what? You know me too. If I saw him walking down the street and that man needed my help, would I give it to him? Yeah. Are you, are you talking about Ursay? Ursay, yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I don't want anyone to think, well, you say this and you say this, but then you no, talk. No, we're just, no, you know, we're, you know, we're entitled, to have, we're entitled yeah. to have strong opinions on the show. Uh, right, so and I, I'd help show. him. I'd carry him to, to, to wherever he had to go. If yeah. he, but yeah. I, on the way, I'd say, oh, you know, man, you're not my favorite dude. But I mean, I'd do what I had to do yeah. because I'm I do sure, have certain beliefs. I'm sure he has to live with it and the regrets and knowing yeah. how to move the team. Anyway, but yeah, McGinnis was unfortunate, that whole incident. I was really upset because I respect William McGinnis as a player and as an analyst. And I was like, eh, you know, not the, I, not the best move. But anyway. Yeah, and my only thing is that I, I don't know the circumstances surrounding that, but – um. My my thing is there had to be some st- substance involved, whether it be alcohol or dope. I don't know, but I've seen Willie McGinnis, and you've seen him. I mean, he's not even the kind of guy who has an uh, an edgy personality. He's always upbeat and like really cheerful. Exactly. exactly. So there had to be something. Yep. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, NFL Sunday uh, goes, we talked about the Colts game that was Saturday. Because NFL is doing you know games on Saturday now. Toward the end of the season, they always do games on Saturday. Um, so. Uh, the Cowboys game to me was not on TV because I'm more I'm closer to Philadelphia than I am uh, uh, New York City. But and apparently, like in Central Jersey, the Jersey Shore, the Cowboys game was on Fox, but uh, near me, the Eagles were on. Um, so I really didn't get the chance to see the Cowboys game. I just knew, you know, they should beat the Jaguars, and we're up twenty seven ten. And then I saw I was watching the Red Zone Channel, and Dak threw. He's the only quarterback in the league, I think, who's thrown an interception in like four straight games and multiple picks and multiple games. So Dak's really got to work on taking care of the ball. I've seen a lot of these interceptions are not necessarily always his fault, but you have to lead the receiver. You have to put the ball in the right place. And if, there's, if interceptions are happening, whether it be on deflections and odd passes that he's making, it's still his fault. And uh, for them to blow a 27-10 lead, uh, especially I think there was as late as the third quarter, they were up by that much, and then lose in overtime, it's just very disappointing. And, you know, I'm not surprised at all because the Cowboys, this is what they do. I've been dealing with it, with it for years. Um, they're a very disappointing franchise. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't – it's another – the pass that Dak made, you know, the, the key interception, I think it was uh, in overtime before the Jaguars got the ball back and, and uh, scored and won. Um, it was a it was like a sidearm pass, and he couldn't really see the receiver, but he made the pass anyway. It's like that sort of decision-making is not what high-level quarterbacks are doing, like the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Um, Dak is continuously making mistakes like that, um, so I'm frustrated. But another loss, and we're on to the game this Saturday, Christmas Eve versus the Eagles. And um, Joe, what did you think about the Eagles-Bears uh, game? We, had, we talked about the spread. The spread was around nine and a half points. I thought that was too low. Um, but the Eagles only won by five points, but how'd you feel about the game? You know what, what was weird is we were, you and I were talking about, you know, nine points. And I said, well, they get three, if they were home, that's 12, you know, those jokers were up by 12 points with like two and a half minutes left. And what happened was the bears had the ball and it was like, I think it was a third down. And it was one of those, just one of those things. I kid you not. You look at the film. It was a blown coverage on the back end. It was, uh, he extended the play, the, the kid for the Bears, the quarterback, he extended the play. So he bought more time. And a lot of times, if you buy more time like that, uh, a receiver can slip through and, you know, and a D back and a blown coverage can happen. And that's what happened. So they were up by 12 
And that's why it was a five-point game because they, they the Bears scored a, a touchdown that they had no business, no business scoring. But nevertheless, they scored it. But it was just a thought. It was funny that you and I were talking about nine. I said, well, they get three. If they were home, they'd be up by 12. And that, that's just what they were up by with two minutes left. So the Bears scored the uh, the touchdown, and it was a five-point game. And uh, it looked a little closer than it was. Um, I... You know, I'm going to tell you, um, I, I, and I said this before, I don't think our quarterback is as top shelf yet. I think he has made tremendous strides. He's really made tremendous strides. He had only thrown three, three picks all year until that game. He threw two in that game. One of them was on him. The other one was not on him. The other one was he was expecting Quez Watkins to break off a route a little flatter than he did, and he didn't. And as a result, you, and that's the NFL, man, you know, you expect your receiver to make a sharp cut, you know, and he makes a rounder cut when he's in. So um, that wasn't on Jalen. So one of them was on him. But all in all, holistically, he's made progress leaps and bounds this year. And this year isn't over yet. Um, fortunately, this little, from what we're being told, this little shoulder sprain is is he might even play he may even play this week I, on Saturday. My opinion of it on it is uh he's in the MVP race. The Eagles are a hot team. They don't want to mess up momentum. They certainly don't want to lose to their rival the Cowboys. Um and he, he's able to make throws. I think they're doing it kind of to throw the Cowboys game plan off a little bit. Um I really think he's going to play. Yeah, well the thing, the thing of it is too. He is and this is what I love about him. Because this is the way Peyton Manning was. And I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning. Although Peyton Manning did not have a rifle arm. So, and neither does Jalen. But they were both students of the game. This kid is a student of the game. He loves, he absolutely loves football. It would kill him to miss this football game. Especially against these guys. And I, he's probably burning and busting at the seams to do everything he can you know, to want to play without jeopardizing the success of the team long-term. So I think if there's a way he will do it. Um, and just the fact that he's a football junkie, he's in there before everyone else. He leaves after everyone else. You don't have to worry about getting phone calls at three o'clock in the morning that he's at some bar, you know, doing something or not this kid, not this kid. Um, and he's, he's, he's as Ryan Clark coach's, said, he's a coach's son, right? He's a coach's son. He's everything you want. Um, now I, I still need him to make. I still need him to make that last. But give him time now. This is his only second. This is only his second full year. So um, we'll see what goes on. Now that in that game he didn't look great, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because there's cold and then there's Chicago cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was windy to boot. I saw the one. Uh, didn't Justin Fields have a phenomenal run, a touchdown run? He did. Now I think I think he stepped out at the five yard line. Okay, because I saw, I think I was I was watching Red Zone. I saw that. I was like, man, like this guy. He shows Justin Fields was everybody wrote him off last year, but he shows flashes of real potential. What's funny is on that run, Sean. We had there was a guy on our team. He's a good good player. He got a good pass rush this year, but he had him by the jersey. Now, that just tells you how big, big, strong Fields is because he had him by the jersey and he's breaking him down and Fields broke. This is two yards. That was a two-yard loss. Fields gets away from him and gets he gets down the field. And but and he didn't – he scored the touchdown, but he, he his foot was a little bit out on the five-yard line. 
So I can't even remember if they scored a TD then or not. I think they did, but um, nevertheless, it was a hell of a run. But you know what? Look, we had a guy here that was a human highlight film, Randall Cunningham, right? If your answer to me, well, how, how far can the such and suches go this year? The fill in the blank. How far can the blank blankers go this year? I'll tell you how far they can go as far as their quarterback's going to take them. Well, if that's your answer all the time, you're going to lose. Because that was our answer back in the, in, in the late 80s and early 90s. I'll tell you how far the Eagles could go as far as their quarterback will take them, being Randall Cunningham. You can't build a team to win a Super Bowl around that. It's fun to watch. It's neat. But that kind of, well, if our quarterback, you know, if, if, if no receivers open, our quarterback could take off and run. Guess what? It's never won a Super Bowl. I don't know if it ever will. And, you know, and you go down and look at all your Super Bowl victories. Aside from Mahomes, who, yeah, he can run. But you know what? The dude yeah, can he's, chuck he's it, pass, too. He's a pass first quarterback. Yeah, thank you. He can chuck it. So if you go down and look, I don't, I, you know. It's all looks, you know, and a lot of them have been won by, by a guy that just stands there. And every, it's funny, every every couple of years you hear this, and I'm going to tell you, the quarterback position is changing. You can no longer stand there like a statue and blah, blah, blah. And they've been saying that for about 20 years now. And they, and they really do. They say it a lot. Yeah. Um, and then Brady won like six of them after they said that. And, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is Jalen is coming along nicely. He's almost at that top level, but we're going to see what happens here. He's as cool as the other side of the pillow. The kid doesn't rattle either, and he doesn't doesn't put on any airs or any kind of bull crap. Like Ryan Clark said, he's zero front. He's no front to this kid whatsoever. What you see is what you get, you know, so I like him. We'll see what happens, and and you know what? If he's not playing, this thing is built offensive line and receiver-wise and tight end-wise. This this uh this this Minshew Minshew could come in and win the game, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. Um. So that's NFL. We're gonna move on because we went a little long this episode. Uh, I want to quickly talk about um, uh, NBA real quick. So my team's the Knicks. They're playing right now versus the Warriors. See, I'm sacrificing doing the show instead of watching Knicks Warriors. You know, doing it for the show, Joe. But um, they're playing the Warriors tonight. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like a downer because Steph Curry has an injury. He's out for a couple weeks. So they're playing the Warriors without. Um, Steph Curry and that's just bad for the NBA whenever a superstar is out for a little bit and Curry has had a kind of a plagued injury history back in the day it was his ankle mostly I think this one's his shoulder but uh, anyway the Knicks are winning tonight the Knicks are on a nice winning streak I think we've won like seven games in a row um, or something like that we're 17 and 13 right you know the Sixers are 17 and 12 um, so the Knicks and Sixers are pretty similar in the standings the Sixers are fifth uh, Knicks are sixth um, but I like what I'm seeing from the Knicks I still think we're one piece away um, I have a friend at work who's always hyping DeAndre Ayton. He's always saying the Knicks, all they need is DeAndre Ayton. We need a classic big man because, um, you know, we have Patrick Ewing. He's a Knicks fan, so maybe he misses Patrick Ewing. But he's always hyping DeAndre Ayton. And I personally don't think that we, we need like a, a, a prototypical classic big man like DeAndre Ayton. I'd rather have a strong shooting guard like Bradley Beal. Because if Bradley Beal can stay healthy, um, he can consistently hit shots. Uh, I think he would be a hell of an addition. So I'd choose Bradley Beal over um, DeAndre Ayton. But ideally, the Knicks could get Giannis, and that's just never probably going to happen because Giannis apparently really likes Milwaukee. But getting Giannis would be like the perfect uh, fit uh, or replacement for Julius Randle. Um, but that's obviously me dreaming. Um, 
But Joe, how do you feel just quickly? How do you feel uh, about the Sixers? Have you been watching any of the games? It's funny you ask. You know, I have not. I have. I have not been watching. I, I'm. I'm really. I can't get excited because. I, Unless something changes, I know what we're looking at again. We're looking at maybe the playoffs, maybe a round. But I've I, we've been through it with this team, and it's time for this team to become championship quality. Or I'm not, and I just honestly, I'm not interested in watching right now. I mean, there's nothing really. It, it's it. Maxie's not in there. I mean, right now, and and you've got teams that are just doing it better. The Boston Celtics are making them look silly. Their arch rival. I've said this before. The Celtics are a very good team. And even with the new coach, it's been smooth sailing with them, but they do rely a lot on the three pointer. Um, and I feel like Embiid, you know, can be, can, you know, the Sixers versus Celtics is an interesting matchup. And if Embiid's completely healthy um, and the Sixers and the Celtics aren't hitting the threes, I think the Sixers can actually take the Celtics out in the playoffs, possibly. But don't they have a lot of guys that can stick that three, though? So they if there's do. one or two guys cold, the other guys are nailing them. I mean, they do, they get, you know, cause Jalen Brown's a, a very, he's like an enigma to me. So Jalen Brown, I always doubted. I'm like, why is this guy? He was a top five pick. He went to California. I didn't know a lot about him in college. Um, and then I, every time I would watch him, because maybe it was just the games I was watching and when I was paying attention to him, he would always miss every shot. But then I look at his numbers, especially like this season. Um, he's always putting up huge numbers and he's hitting, you know, he's, he's hitting shots and everything. So Jalen Brown's a lot better than I expected. He's turned into kind of like a, a borderline superstar. Um, but you know, the Celtics do have, they could spread the floor, but then they're relying on Al Horford is their center. And Al Horford's 36 years old. You know, he was on the Sixers for a little bit. So you probably, I know he didn't that. do anything and, here until uh, he went back there. But, go ahead. but really the Sixers, you know, they have Jalen Brown hitting some threes. They got Marcus smart hitting some threes. They got Grant Williams. They got, they got Malcolm Brogdon, um, we got Hauser, this uh, young player, Sam Hauser. Um, so they're interesting, but I don't think they're a juggernaut. And with Steph Curry, the Warriors weren't playing well, you know, anyway, but with Steph Curry hurt, um, that opens up things a little bit more in the West because the Warriors could potentially miss the playoffs, which would be crazy. Um, but because I think the Warriors are, yeah, they're in 11th place right now. So they're, and they, they're just, they just lost Curry. So I don't know. I think the East is wide open. I think the Bucks are the cream of the crop. Um, but I do think that, you know, any, any playoff series, especially when it gets to the playoffs, I think any team could beat any of these teams, you know, the Sixers and uh, the Celtics and the Bucks are certainly not untouchable. Um, so, you know, we shall see. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was sports for today. Villanova basketball. We're playing St. John's tomorrow. I'm excited for that. We just beat St. Joe's. We won the Holy war. Again, we got Cam Whitmore back. We're looking a lot better. It's amazing what what a star player will do for a team. Everyone's doubting the team, and you put that star back on the floor, and then you know the team's doing good again. So yeah, yeah. and Friday, you and I will um, will be right up on the this football game on Saturday. So we'll yep. be right up on it. We'll we'll talk about um, it in detail. Yeah, what, I don't want to put you know in in one minute or less. Can you explain um, your real, most recent uh, quote unquote cheat meal? I know you talk about what did you get from Taco Bell this week. That's a good question. And for some reason I was just eating and it's just, I, I could have, I could have got another order, which I was just so hungry. Anyway, um, I went into Taco Bell. I was either going to go to uh Taco Bell or five guys. And I just said, I, I, I want Mexican. So I went to Taco Bell and I got uh, Mexican pizza, which is always delicious. And I got something called a quesarito because it has rice in it. 
Yep. It's like a it's like a, it's like a quesadilla, but it's 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 wrapped up like a burrito, and it's got rice in it. And I love rice. I love rice, no matter where what nationality of food we're doing. I, I want rice. I like rice. So I got that, and then I got three uh, Doritos Locos Supreme with the with the with the uh, with the sour cream and everything. Just good, and a big bucket of root beer. Just beautiful. And then when I was done, I pulled out my chocolate chip cookies from Wawa and finished the job. And I'm going to tell you, didn't cost me but like 22 bucks, and it was fantastic. Like I said, I was like, mm, as it was just. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure your uh, the toilet <laughs> your toilet might have been hurting after this, though. Well, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, actually, that's, you know, no, that's it, the cliche it, with talk. That's the cliche with Taco Bell. People always say, oh, you're going to be shitting your brains out. But when I eat Taco Bell, I'm, I'm really just fine. I've digested fine, you know? Exactly right. It's like any – there was no – there's really no difference with that for me. And I always wondered that. And I've also, I've also heard people say that about McDonald's. And I've never – fortunately, not knock on wood, I've never had any deviation or, you know, any any change yeah. uh, to anything like that. Not that we need to be talking about stuff like that anyway. But, no, um, it was uh, – Good meal and yeah, so um, good one thing I'm excited about is saw Taco Bell because I love the Mexican pizza. That's my go-to at Taco Bell. They're they're doing two new Mexican pizzas. They're doing one that has like nacho cheese sauce and jalapeno peppers, and then they're doing another one with an extra layer of the of the pizza with more meat and more cheese and more beans or whatever, refried beans or whatever. That I'm going to look um, into. The, the hot yeah. stuff I can't do anymore, bro, yeah. because it, the, the three-layer yeah. uh, Mexican pizza. Heartburn. Yeah. Interested in that for sure. Three-layer um, Mexican pizza. Oh, good god. I thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, again, we're on Spotify, Apple, TuneIn Radio, RSS.com is our feed. Um, we're really enjoying doing the show. Uh, I'm also on TikTok at Sean Review Stuff. Uh, if you can, subscribe to our sh- uh, podcast if you're, where, wherever you're consuming it because um, we do see some of the numbers and we like seeing more people subscribing. Uh, we like the positive reviews, so keep those coming. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Joe, anything to say? Shawnee Shawnee went to the gym and now he looks real brawny. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a, have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye.